Hey, it's Luke at HIP, and if you've been listening to the Grow Ortho podcast maybe for weeks, months, or in some cases years, you know that we typically interview an industry expert, whether it be someone working in the office or a consultant uh, or just a strategic partner for orthodontist. Well, we're going to change things up just a bit, and this year we've actually released four books. And so we're going to release every audiobook, basically a chapter for each episode. Listen, enjoy, and let us know what you find valuable and implement and what works well in your office. Thanks so much for supporting HIP, and we hope you enjoy all these episodes on the Practice Growth Series. Chapter 2. Implementing the Integrator Let's face the facts. Running a multi-million dollar company is a full-time job, as is being a busy and successful orthodontist. You can't do both. Since you made it here, past the first chapter and all its warnings, I assume you want to build your practice like a scalable business. From this point forward, we will be discussing all aspects of the operations of an orthodontic practice and how the Chief Operating Officer, COO, or the integrator of your vision, pulls them all together and aligns them with your core values and DNA. When you work through the operating system in the previous chapter, you will understand that the growth you want to achieve for your practice is not something that will simply manifest by hoping it will come to you. It needs to be thoroughly planned and executed with your team. You'll have to set quarterly priorities, understand the key obstacles interfering with those priorities, and learn how to overcome them. You'll have to set targets to work towards in your one-year mark, your three-year mark, and even your ten-year mark if you're feeling ambitious. This is way too much for one person to do on their own. You'll need a leadership team who believes in your vision and is willing to work hard to make it a reality. The head of that leadership team is your COO. The COO is your integrator who will believe in your vision and integrate it into your practice. Who should be your COO? What should this person look like? What qualities should they have? Why is it necessary to hire one? If you're the brain behind the practice, then they're the hands. You think and come up with ideas, and they take action on them. They should be able to lead a team to excellence and work with honesty, integrity, and drive. The COO is working both behind the scenes and on the front deck, problem-solving, organizing, and communicating with your leadership team to relay your core values. They are accountable for the growth of your practice. If they can't get your message across efficiently, then they're in the wrong seat. Just like you went to dental school and completed your orthodontic residency to specialize as an orthodontist, they've specialized in operations and business, whether through business programs or learning hands-on in previous organizations. Without them, substantial growth would be near impossible to achieve. They have pretty big shoes to fill by joining your team. It's not an easy job to bring someone's vision to life, so when you hire a COO, they shouldn't be thought of as just another employee. They should be thought of as your business partner. That means when you have ideas, they need to know about them. You may come up with 10 ideas every day, and your COO needs to be honest and transparent with you about which ideas full-on suck and which ones can be brought to life. The Predictive Index The Attributes of the Ideal COO To give you an idea of the attributes you should be looking for in your ideal COO, I've included the Predictive Index, PI, report of my own COO, HIP's very own, Justin Hewell. Justin is considered a strategist, according to PI, known for his sense of urgency and ability to drive results. 
visit hip.agency forward slash the scalable practice to view his full report. Strongest behaviors. Justin will most strongly express the following behaviors. Proactivity, assertiveness, and a sense of urgency in driving to reach personal goals. Openly challenges the world. Independent in putting forth their own ideas, which are often innovative and, if implemented, cause change. Resourcefully works through or around anything blocking completion of what they want to accomplish. Aggressive when challenged. Impatient for results, puts pressure on themselves and others for rapid implementation and is far less productive when doing routine work. Task-focused, quickly notices and pushes to fix technical problems, assertively cutting through any personal and emotional issues. Has aptitude to spot trends in data or figure out how complex systems work. Independent, analytical, critical. A creative thinker and action-oriented. Little need for external validation before action. Private. Authoritative and direct. Driven to accomplish personal goals, push through roadblocks assertively. Communication is direct, to the point, and sometimes brusque. Careful with rules. Precise. By the book. Fast-paced and literal in interpreting rules, schedules, and results. Detail-oriented and thorough. Works to ensure things don't fall through the cracks and follow up to ensure they're done properly and on time. Driven to achieve operational efficiencies. Thinks about what needs to be done and how it can be done as fast as possible while maintaining a high-quality outcome. Impatient with routines. Summary. Justin is an intense, results-oriented self-starter whose drive and sense of urgency are tempered and disciplined by a concern for the accuracy and quality of the work. His approach to activities and responsibilities will be well thought out, based on thorough analysis and detailed knowledge of all pertinent facts. Strongly technically oriented, he has confidence in his own professional knowledge and ability to get things done quickly and correctly. With experience, he will develop a high level of expertise and be very aware of mistakes committed by himself or others. Justin takes work and responsibilities seriously and expects others to do the same. In social matters, he is reserved and private with little interest in small talk. Interest and energy will be focused primarily on the work, and in general, he is more comfortable and open in the work environment than in purely social situations. In the work environment, they are factual, direct, and authoritative. Imaginative and venturesome, he is creative and capable of developing new ideas, systems, plans, or technology, or of analyzing and improving old ones. They rely primarily on their own knowledge and thinking, with little reference to others, to get things done. Justin sets a high exacting personal standard and generally finds that others do not meet it. To earn trust, someone must consistently meet that standard and get results. If someone can do that, Justin will do what's needed to work with them whenever collaboration is needed. He may be perceived by others as aloof, but will earn respect for their knowledge, work, and the soundness of the decisions that they make. Management Strategies To maximize effectiveness, productivity, and job satisfaction, consider providing Justin with the following. Opportunities to broaden technical knowledge and gain experience in increasingly responsible positions as much autonomy as possible in setting priorities, expressing ideas, and putting them into action. Recognition for tangible results obtained, rather than for political or selling skills. Freedom from repetition. Technical challenges that require innovative solutions. 
Hip wouldn't be where it currently stands without his contribution. He continuously sees Hip's vision through and does whatever he can in his power to make our dreams a reality. If you want to learn more about the strategist personality type and dive deep into their profile, head over to hip.agency forward slash the scalable practice. Promoting internally or hiring externally. Which path is right? Many businesses need help deciding whether to promote within their own organization or hire externally to fill roles. You want to ensure you're putting the right people in the right seats, but it's sometimes hard to fully gauge what the right decision is. Promoting internally. If you already have someone in your office that comes to mind when you think of your future COO, then that's great. It wouldn't make sense to grow your practice without giving them the chance to grow with you. If Jennifer from your sales team has the perfect mindset, abilities, and capacity to be your right-hand woman, give her that opportunity to show you that she's more than capable of getting the job done. However, I would advise that before you make this decision, you should ensure that the person you are promoting internally is as well-versed and knowledgeable in all areas of your practice as possible. This means they should have experience in every department and understand the fundamental responsibilities of every role within those departments because if they can't understand it, then how will they be able to manage it? The COO is responsible for overseeing all of the day-to-day -day operations of your business. If they're required to lead and manage all of your department directors and managers, they have a lot more credibility if they understand the role because they have done it. Janet Moser, COO of All Smiles Orthodontics, started as a treatment coordinator and was promoted to team leader office manager, years before she became the COO of an eight-figure practice. Janet understands the necessity of learning each role and department before moving up, so she instills the same process in all of her new hires. I give a lot of credit to Dr. McDowell for putting his faith and trust in me and giving me the autonomy, tools, and coaching to be successful in this role. But I think working my way up to this position has worked in my favor because I've earned the respect of my team. They've seen me get my hands dirty over the years and put in the work. And when they need help, I'm more than willing to help them. If they don't see me being a team player, how can I expect them to be? My number one thing is to lead by example. That's why I honestly believe that when you first get hired here, you have to learn everything. You have to have a chance to be trained in all of the different roles. And then we find the best one that works for you and your skills. You'll do that role on the day-to-day, -day, but if we're down a person or a department needs another set of hands, you'll easily jump right in. Specialized roles, but knowledgeable in everything. Hiring externally. If you don't have a rock star treatment coordinator turned COO like Janet to promote within your practice currently, then that's also fine. There are multiple job boards you can use and also agencies you can hire to help you with the recruitment process. Wiseman Strategies, for example, helps companies find their ideal talent by aiding with the entire recruitment process. They'll help you get the right people in the right seats, source the right candidates, prepare for the interview, and create a great interview experience. We'll go into more detail on Wiseman Strategies in Chapter 5. But before jumping to put that ad on Indeed or Workopolis, you need to make sure your COO job description is fully tailored to the role and includes all of the core values so that you can find someone who believes in them. Here are some of the main duties and responsibilities you should expect your COO to do as the operational leader of your practice. 
oversee the daily operations of the practice and drive results from both an operational and financial perspective while working closely with the CEO and other leadership team members. Measure actual budgetary performance, revenue, expense, staffing, against standards and ensure variances are within established targets. Develop and implement operational processes, protocols, policies, and procedures on efficiency and scalability. Create an environment that facilitates innovative delivery of care for the community it serves. Establish mechanisms to encourage innovation and incorporate best practice findings into standards of practice and policies and procedures. Maintain familiarity with the operational procedures at all levels of the organization. Empower all teams with the autonomy and resources they need to complete initiatives. Partner with the leadership team to accomplish short and long-term operational goals. Set challenging but realistic goals for growth, performance, and profitability. Identify potential areas of geographic expansion through organic growth or acquisition. Analyze and interpret data and metrics. Measure and report on operational performance and develops plans to improve relevant key performance indicators, KPIs. Provide management to staff and guidance in alignment with the business plan and strategic vision. Lead employees by example to reinforce a culture of excellence and establish policies that promote company culture and vision. Maintain positive, productive relationships with partners, vendors, and affiliates. Always represent the company positively through a success-oriented and professional demeanor. Visit hip.agency forward slash the scalable practice to view an example of a full COO job description and compensation package to use as a resource when you eventually hire for this position. Please note that compensation can vary based on experience, whether you engage a recruiter to hire externally for the role, or if you are grooming and promoting someone from within your practice. For guidance on how to structure a fair compensation package, please reach out, and I will be happy to point you in the right direction. Why the lengthy job description, you ask? Well, because it's a big job. This job description tells the candidate exactly what they should expect from working at this practice. It summarizes the person they're looking for to fulfill the role by using keywords about their core values. Then, it outlines the salary and other benefits the role provides, which is something many companies refrain from doing. Here's a PSA to all companies. List your compensation range and benefits in your job description. This will not only showcase your company's transparency, but also help you find candidates who are comfortable with those salary expectations. The job description then lists the main tasks they will be responsible for, providing prospective candidates with a well-rounded picture of the role and how to succeed. Finally, it outlines the background of the type of person they're looking for. Now, remember, this section is more like a wish list. Obviously, very few people can have all the requirements listed in this section, but they should be meeting at least 70%. And while everything looks great on paper, it's important to remember that before you make any assumptions, you have to meet that person before you draw any conclusions. Since they'll be the person you're working closely with to put your vision forward, it's important that your core values and the DNA of your practice closely align with their thoughts, feelings, and motivations when joining your team. Dr. Connor Despot recently hired his own COO to run his practice. He knew his main responsibility was patient care as an orthodontist, so by hiring a COO, he is now able to increase the number of patients he sees daily without getting burnt out by operational tasks. 
It's a huge investment to hire a COO. You take a big hit if you want to grow as a doctor because you have to pay them what they're worth, which comes right out of your pocket. But you hope that in a year or two down the road, that investment pays dividends. It's tough to do your job as an orthodontist while also managing all the ins and outs of everything. If you try to do it all, you're on the risk of burning out, and then you're not going to reach your goals. So you have to be willing to make investments. I could physically see more than 100 patients daily, but now that I have a COO on board, it will allow me to see more if I need to. I asked Dr. Despot why he believed it was the right time for him to hire a COO. From his response, he knows that when CEOs have a vision they want to put forward, they just have to hire one. You have to take that risk and dive in, even if it comes out of your pocket initially. I just knew we couldn't get there alone. It's pretty easy to look at orthodontic offices around the country and look at the successful ones. You can see that they always have that one person that's not the doctor running the operations. That one person ensures that everything is moving along and that goals are being met. There's a pretty clear playbook on what to do. And part of it is bringing on an executive-type person, someone that's going to be at a different level than everybody else, someone that's going to help motivate and push everyone else to be successful, someone that helps drive culture. Someone that's always positive and looks at things through a different lens than just running the day-to-day, -day, but looks at the big picture, like yearly goals and strategy. A strategic partner is how I see it. It was the biggest investment I've made, but we're only a couple of weeks in here, and it already feels really good. It feels like we're moving in a positive direction. Now that you understand who your COO should be, why they're necessary for the growth of your practice, and what you can do to promote or hire one, Let's now hear from a couple of COOs about the best practices they utilize to keep their office's wheels turning like a well-oiled machine. A Day in the Life of a COO There are a lot of roles and responsibilities the COO must accomplish daily. As we know, they are the ones who are accountable for bringing your vision to life. And as we've established, it's more like a partnership than an employer-employee relationship. However, your COO is still responsible for reporting any issues, changes, and resolutions back to you. You still have to have your eyes on your company and periodically check in to make sure your vision is being executed properly. You have to put faith in your COO that they'll do a great job, but relinquishing all control is not in the cards. As the leader of the entire organization, you have to make sure your team is doing what they say they will be doing and hold them accountable for it. This doesn't mean you have to micromanage, but you should be running quarterly meetings with your COO and the leadership team to ensure they're doing everything you've laid out for them to full capacity. But as for your leadership team, your COO is responsible for managing them. That is every director and manager you currently have running each department, like the director of sales, finance, marketing, patient care, operations, etc. It's like a domino effect. The way you inspire your COO is how they will inspire your leadership team. And the way your leadership team inspires your employees is how your employees will inspire patients. That's why clear messaging is so important. Because when the message isn't clear, your practice becomes a massive game of broken telephone where every department relays a different message. Before you know it, your practice no longer has its core values intact. It may seem like a huge responsibility because it is. You're not paying your COO six figures to sit around and look good. They have huge shoes to fill. 
So what exactly does their day-to-day -day look like then? How can you ensure that you're setting your COO up for success as the manager of your leadership team? I reached out to Amanda Floyd from Fishbine Orthodontics and Janet Moser from All Smiles Orthodontics to learn about their processes in managing multiple locations, departments, and teams as their practices COO. Let's see what they had to say. Amanda, what does a typical day look like for you as COO of Fishbine? I live by my calendar, and it's different every day. From the beginning, I've focused on building and maintaining our offices. We do everything from start to finish, from the designing to furnishing to building the schedule, putting the team in place, and hiring the right people. I'm also sitting in on meetings and interviews, discussing how our organization is structured. I work with each of the managers and then go down from there. Since our practice is so big, I have a person who works directly with me as our director of operations, so the whole leadership team reports to her, allowing me to focus on other major things in the business. We have different types of managers for each team. They all know whom they report to and who reports to them. Janet, how do you manage accountability? I learned quickly that you can't just trust people to say they're doing what they should be doing. You have to create a system of checks and balances to learn what is required of them, set the expectations for the job, and create checklists for reporting. Every position has a checklist they're responsible for sending to their direct report. You have to follow up on it with them continuously. Just because you've trained and coached them doesn't mean they will do it consistently if you're not following up. People respect what you inspect. And, even if they're doing it right, everyone needs a refresher once in a while because people can get stuck in their habits. You're not there to micromanage, as no one likes that. However, if a job has to be done, there's a lot of responsibility and accountability that follows. Amanda, how do you come up with your systems and processes? What do you use to document your systems? We have systems for everything. It looks straightforward now, but it didn't start that way. Two years ago, we didn't have a system for anything. So, just little by little, as things have come up, you have to document what you're doing and what works for you, and then simplify it along the way. I constantly said it'd be easier if we had a checklist for this, so then we'd make one. We have a graphic designer that puts each checklist into a template so they all look the same. We must ensure every task is completed without needing to remember or recreate the wheel every time something happens. Janet, how did the multiple departments and teams evolve? When creating multiple teams, there has to be someone in charge. So the office manager is essentially the team leader. I train them, they train their team, and they report everything back to me. Since there are six locations that I'm responsible for, I have two teams in place that travel back and forth between locations. Each location is only open part-time, so it works, and everyone helps each other out. Soon, thankfully, we'll be adding a third team and a third doctor. Since I have to manage all these locations, I'm trying to gear the culture toward three different teams. It's challenging, but everyone works hard, so I'm sure it'll be great. Amanda, Fishbine has probably gone through some of the most difficult growing pains I've encountered. Can you share some of the worst moments and how you overcame them? Rapid growth is hard to manage, especially if you don't expect it to reach that level. Staffing is the biggest issue because you don't want to hire just anyone. We do interviews almost every day, but out of the 10 people we interview in a week, we'll just hire one. We're looking for the right personality fit. Then there's finding another doctor. We've grown so rapidly, and finding a doctor is even harder than finding a new front desk person. 
Then you have to create more systems for all the growth you've had so you can maintain your culture. In the end, I think it's just finding the right mix of energy at each location and finding good team leaders to balance it out. Everyone has a role to play. Your COO will have a lot to manage daily, and every day will look different. Some days they might hire new staff and train, and other days they might deal with issues and put out fires. It's an ever-evolving job, and the person you put in this position needs to be aware of it and ready for the challenge. Luckily, Rome wasn't built in a day, and thousands of workers and leaders came together to create the Eternal City. Like your practice, your COO will have heaps of help from your leadership team. Now the question is, who's involved in this team? How big should this team be? How many departments do you need to have? To answer these questions, you'll need to consider the level of growth you wish to attain because every level of growth looks different and involves various departments and teams to keep the business flowing smoothly and steadily. We'll thoroughly explain this in the next chapter where I will discuss the small, medium, and large org charts your practice can use to plan your future team structure.